Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. As always, I am happy and pleased with you to be given a chance to discuss a topic that has two meanings and one in which we need to discuss in length in order to find a solution uh, that will give life to some lives that have been taken or have been altered. And so I I just want to talk to you guys today because I saw two videos that really struck my heart, and I know that uh, we have a tendency from time to time to talk about uh, domestic violence, Uh, but I, I want to talk about domestic violence in a different way. I want to talk in relationship to the human trait of jealousy, uh, that human trait uh, that we call green rage, uh, that seems to uh, be within all of us, but some of us have chosen a different way to deal with it. So the fact that we all know what jealousy is, and we know what rage can be within spirit, it gives us an opportunity 
have to talk um, in a real honest way about things that we've seen or things that we've heard about and things that we're aware about because they have such a prevalence in, in our society. Uh, it is found in our churches. Uh, it is found uh, in the spirit of our law enforcement. Uh, it is found almost everywhere you can look in all different races and all different ages. And so as we look at this and take on an honest discussion about the fact that we've seen it in our children, uh, we've seen it in uh, adults that we know, and uh, and a lot of times it puts us at a disadvantage because we're not truly, we don't truly know what to do about it, but we do know it's an issue that's not going to go so I hope that you were able to look at the video, and I'll just tell you a little bit about it. One of the videos was a man who has the nerve and the audacity to videotape him himself beating on a woman and stumping on this woman as she was clearly in, able to defend herself. And the other one was a woman who had um, told her boyfriend that she was going to break up with him, and he threw acid in her face and all over her upper body. Uh, she was unable to tell the police that it was. And then when she came out of her, her coma, she alerted them to know that it was not an accident. And so, you know, we know that these things go on all the time, but we just want to talk about jealousy and rage and why is it that we don't deal with it honestly in our families uh, to help those who find themselves incapable of controlling it themselves. Uh, we act not our businesses. Domestic violence is something we're not supposed to get involved with. And that is already it's common for people to be unable to control themselves when they get into disagreement. And so today we just want to talk about that, that part of us, that green part of us uh, that is always with us. Some of us are able to control it, and others seemingly find themselves uh, at its mercy. Uh, D, uh, have you ever had to deal with the green monster or see others who were inadequately able to deal with it? Yes, James. Uh, good, good afternoon, and uh, thank you for your time to come on the show and bring these topics to the table. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, sad to say that uh, my my first marriage, uh, this is my third marriage, the marriage that I am, um, my, my third and hopefully my final marriage, uh, my last most happily and successful marriage. But my first marriage, uh, I got married at the age of about uh, 24. 
uh, in that. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the the reference to green rage or and the term green has to do with it, but it it it, it reminds me of uh, immaturity. Uh, you know, when I when I got married at the age 24, uh, I was quite immature, uh, ready ready to take on the role of manhood. I thought I was anyway, but my emotions were quite green. Uh, not knowing and not having the tools or the experience on how to uh, maintain or do or do uh, what they call uh, emotional maintenance. At, at such a at such an early age, and yeah, um, uh, from the age of seventeen through twenty four, uh, it was rough for me uh, trying to be in relationships and uh, uh, not realizing that uh, the the, uh, the the person that I was in relationship with were also young and they had that full life ahead of them, and. Uh, I wanted to be there, everything, and when that was not the case, um, yeah, I um, took rejection pretty hard back in those days. Um, but I will say that uh, in that, uh, when they say what what kill you, you will learn from it. And um, I grew up to be quite emotionally uh, stable, and uh, so. I, my heart goes out to the people that, that still suffer from this uh, emotional imbalance. Uh, but uh, that will be my answer, James. Thank you. You know, the sad thing about people who are unable to control their rage is that they usually perpetrate it on the people who are closest to them. And when you are unable to control your rage, you have to recognize that it is the most powerful thing in your your life or in your spirit can cause you the most harm because when it is not contained and controlled, it allows you to get go places where you never thought you would go. And that is just um, something we we know we need to be aware of is we want to be able to control where what we do and how we do it so that we don't go outside of the lines of our personal uh, selves to the point that we do something that's detrimental to ourselves. So we honestly need to recognize how we control our anger, how we control our disappointment, and know that there are some places that we can't allow ourselves to go. Uh, Kathy, uh, have you ever had or seen or been aware of people who were unable to control that side of them that would be detrimental once it was uh, allowed to to get free? Good afternoon, James. Um, yeah, I see it all the time on Facebook. <laughs> People that are that are that are um, are are raised with anger and just um, uh, don't know how to um, get out of it. Um, I've been there, done that. 
to, you know, it's it's just something that that takes over you, and um, it's a place. It's not a nice. It's not a happy place. So, um, haven't seen seen one in person lately, but I have seen it on Facebook where you know people are, look like they are possessed. You know, to where they just don't want to stop whatever it is that they're doing. But um, I, I hope that answers your question. I don't know what the topic was. Well, we're just talking today about how it seems that we have a country that has a lot of people in it who are not able to control their rage or their tempers, and they allowed it to get free on both the people they supposedly love and the people who are closest to them. And, again, I sent out some video about one man who videotaped himself slapping and stomping on uh, someone who was either his girlfriend or his wife. And we are aware that uh, domestic violence takes place in marriages, takes places in churches, uh, and takes places in teenagers. And so, you know, you want to know what it is that we need to do as a society uh, to help people learn to control that part of themselves in a lot of trouble. Uh, I have a a number here that I'm not used to. I'm going to call out the last four digits, uh, 3904. Uh, give us your name and where you're calling from. Uh, my name is Stacy. I'm calling from um, Ponciana, Florida. Uh Okay, Stacy, uh, are you aware or uh, 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 you have any concerns related to uh, what is going on in our country where people seem to be unable to control their tempers and release their rage out on their family and and their uh, the people that they care about? And where, where you know where should we go for uh, solutions to this anger problem? that the world seems to be having right now? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a um, question that has two parts. Um, I feel. I know that the first murderer, uh, Cain, and he murdered his brother, Abel, um, in the earlier, at the very beginning, because of his, his anger, his rage. And... Um, I, the lesson to be learned was that when you do have anger, that you shouldn't allow yourself to get to the point of no return. And until we um, we have adopted this way of life because we're here living it, it didn't never get fixed. So it's just a spiraling, um, it's out of control. And uh, until the most high come back and fix it, it's going to continue. Uh, there's anger management. Uh, but how many people make it there? You know, most of the time the damage is already done, and then they go there. So what we can do is to bring awareness, but uh, we have to structure, um, you know, we have to create a structure that allows um, that to be entered into a forum to be discussed and then placed in front of people um, before they do the damage, and after they do, you know, just try to reach out, an outreach program. But, yeah, the first murder was done in the very beginning. So, And, and you're so right. It's so interesting you said that because 
it has been with us from the beginning of the time. And at some point, though, you know, recently they had the uh, shooting in California where a young man shot his mother, I think, six times before he went on a chase and uh, ended up with at Trader Joe's. And some of his relatives came out and said that he always had mental issues, uh, but they didn't know it went to this degree. Uh, but the problem is is that it seems like family members don't want to cope with what they know is a problem. Even when you have young children who want to fight and push and always uh, be in education, uh, that somehow gives you a key that they need to be dealt with on a different level or dealt with in a professional way to help them see what is wrong with their behavior. Uh, Regina, what, what are your thoughts about, again, you know, I always pick on you because you're in the classroom, and you see these behaviors developing long before these kids get to be teenagers or get to be adults. Hi, and good happy Friday evening. Um, you're right. We see these behaviors as children. And oddly enough, when these children grow up and they come back and they see you in the store and they're with their um, other half, you can still see something in, oftentimes you can see something in that person's eyes. The eyes are sort of distant. And that lets you know that something thing is going awry in that relationship. Um, you often see the children, those same children who are, are kicking and hitting in the classroom, they're doing the same thing at home. And this is not the topic tonight, but it is it is a um a lack of mental illness awareness or acceptance and getting help which has this type of behavior continuing. And when and part of the problem, uh, D is is that People don't honestly want to recognize that being violent to the people that you love or being unable to control your rage is not normal. Somehow want to believe that this is who I am and I'm not going to let people walk on me and if you do anything to me, I'm going to strike out in your way you you in a way that you're going to regret. And they don't understand or recognize uh, that it is detrimental to themselves, and our jails are full of people who are just incapable of controlling their anger. Well, uh, you know, that's a great point. Um, I think Stacey made a great point when she spoke about how um, individuals have a tendency to fall in the uh, the pit of entertaining the, the the discomfort that that's been dealt them when somebody says says something to you uh, that you don't like or somebody look at you uh, in a long staring fashion that you don't like or 
something may been have uh, been pending that has not been resolved. And so a person have a tendency to entertain the negative uh, influence of that situation to where uh, anger and rage, it kind of boils over like a pot. Uh, I, I remember when I was in an early drug recovery, uh, it was it was mentioned that the, the thought of entertaining the uh, episodes of getting high was one of the things that will always lead us back to uh, indulgence. So when it comes down to um, mental maintenance, and Ms. Audrey spoke about that uh, in, so many, in so many words, being able to um, do maintenance, self-maintenance, self-maintenance, you know, because, you know, uh, our jail system, like you say, are full of people who have no self-control. And that's what we're talking about, no self-control. And then when it comes down to the fact that one might want to mention uh, a, uh, uh, a community that suffers, suffers from mental illness, man, you got to know that don't nobody want to hear that. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Uh, you know, there's a stigma right there. You know, just to go into the doctor, in a lot of cases, people have, have phobias about that. So, you know, when, we, when we're talking about healing our own community, you know, in, in a lot of cases, in a lot of ways, we gotta, we got to break this down to the most simplest common denominator to get some kind of resolve of, of some of the issues that we have in our own community. And I think this is one of them. Thank you. Yeah, it is just not normal uh, to just go off on the least little thing and to be a kind of person that does not allow anything uh, to roll off your back. At some point, you have to seek some kind of help to get you to recognize that everything does not call uh does not need or should uh, give into that part of you that cannot be controlled. And if you are, are unable to control that, you're going to see a time when your anger either causes you a lot of detriment or it's going to harm someone else. Uh, again, until I get used to your name, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to use the number, 39 why do you think that we have the issue out of part a segment of our population that is always looking uh, to handle things in a violent method against the people they love as well as strangers? Well, um, I feel that because this Stacy, um, uh, my name is Stacy. I don't know how you're going to remember it, but. Uh, I'm going to try, Stacey. I got it this time. Okay. I think it's um, biblical. It goes back to the Bible. I go back to the Bible on a lot of of things. Psalms 80, I think it was 82 and 5, says the whole earth is off its course. So we have to um, realize that everything's out of order because, you know, we went out of order. We went out of bounds. God gave us commandments, and we broke them, and here we are still suffering. And he said, you shall surely die. 
And Lucifer told Eve, oh, no, you're not going to die. And then he created doubt, doubt in God. So we're suffering the penalties for disobedience, and we will continue to suffer the penalties for disobedience. And the reward for um, disobedience is, is, is penalties. You know, we're going to continue to have to deal with it until that, that day that God says enough is enough, and he comes in and heals, heals us, you know. Um on a realistic level, or I say realistic, I mean like as it relates to um, us um, day to day. Um, you asked the question, how? What was the question you asked me? I'm sorry. Well, I'm just saying that we see as as citizens of America, we see that not only are our regular citizens becoming more and more violent, our the people we pay to to uh, to keep us safe, uh, we've come afraid of. So violence just seems to be amongst us everywhere we look. So how how do we how do we look to get to to make it better when from our president uh, down to the regular day to day citizens uh, causes us so much grief related to to the violent behavior. Well, we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing. To our people, the ones that has the anger management problem, needs to realize it and accept it. The ones that has the mental instability needs to stay on their medication. A lot of times it's hard for them to get their medication, and you have to fight for it. And if you don't have no one there to fight for you, I don't care, you're going to have an issue there. And, um, you know, so we, like I said, it goes back to the biblical, Psalms 82 and five, the whole earth is off its course. There's another scripture, I'm, I'll find it and drop it here. It says, um, if my people who are called by my name do humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their ways, their uh, wicked ways, he'll hear us. God says, I'll hear you and heal your land and heal us. You know, we don't know who we are. We are here as from slavery. The events of slavery got us here. We don't know who we are. We don't know. Um, anything we just like we dropped off in a place called no who knows where we are and no return and and we're just taken advantage of we're not aided in the way that we need to be we haven't never got reparations so we're just a uh, destroyed people and the whole book of Deuteronomy 28 chapter duty of Deuteronomy 28 and the King James Version Bible says the blessings and curses the first 15 books uh, verses tells you what happens when you keep the laws and obey the laws. And after that, from verse 16 to 64, it tells you the curses. There's so much more curses. It even goes and tells you, you know, you're going to be made a slave. And if you, you know, if my people who are called by my name do humble themselves, this is what we got to go back to. But we think we've grown, and we don't think we um, need God. Some people don't believe in God. So it's going to continue. The whole earth is off its course, and we need to get back on course. It goes back to the garden back in the day. But if anybody don't believe it, then you can't say, you can't make a proper judgment until you do the research. And there's so much there that hasn't been turned over. We go to church and preach a hoop and holler, and we, he closed the Bible. He's no learning there. He just closed the Bible, and then it becomes an emotional event, and nobody's learning nothing. So this is the issues that we must face. You know, we're more spiritual than any other nation of people. and it, it, We're God's children. Scriptures validate that who we are, and we're way off course. 
and there's a remedy, but we have to be willing to and able financially and everything, able to work on it, you know. If we could come up with um, some type of platform to bring awareness, like they got these people on Facebook, they give you inspirational messages. If we could do something great and grand like that, that's the answer. And you're going to be making that pitch to people that realize it's a problem and looking for an answer. And that's that's what we got to start, grassroots. We got to start. And it's possible because we got we got the internet, we got you know media. We have what we need, but we need to now structure it and start from there. Uh, and unless we do it, you. nobody else gonna do it because it's our problem. Cassie, let me ask you uh, on a personal level uh, because all of this hit us personally. All of us are aware of uh, people we know and we love and who are around us, how do we put a protection around those that we care about so that they don't fall prey to this evil, violent behavior that seems to be magnified in our society right now? Okay. So I'm going to jump on, 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 on board with Stacey and I'm going to go biblical concerning the question and concerning what's going on. Uh, the only thing that I feel that we can do when it's your family member and people you know is to pray because once they're out of your sight, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do, you know, but the only thing you can do is pray. So I just pray a covering over my family members. You know, that as they go out, if they are encountered by situations like that, that they too would use wisdom, that they would think before they react, that they would not allow themselves to get into situations like that. And also, um, just going back on what everybody said, I know uh, I heard anger, I heard jealousy, I heard mental illness, but I did hear abuse. A lot of times people are abused when they're growing up. So some of that stems from that, but it all boils down to um, um, the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and whoever and whomever he can take hold of and utilize, he will do that. That's why we have to be like uh, Stacey was talking about. We have to be about this word. We have to um, take this word, and we have to walk this word so that we'll know when these situations come what we need to do to attack these situations. Um, I was talking to uh, my sister-in-law the other day, and she said that my nephew, who I haven't seen for a while, she said that he's out of control, he's in gangs, and he's doing all these different things. And she said that his mom took him to church, and um, when he got in, when he was walking up to the church, his mom told him, pull your pants up. He looked at his mom and turned his head back, like he didn't even respond to what she was saying. Then when he got inside, the pastor told him the exact same thing, to pull his pants up, and that he told the pastor, I don't tell you how to dress. And, And in that moment, when she was telling me that, I said, well, did you guys begin to pray? Did you guys lay hand on him, or what did you guys do? She said, everybody just looked at him. But, see, that's the enemy because he wants us to be afraid of him, but he is a liar. We have to command that thing 
to be released from the people we know, and we cannot be afraid of what he is trying to do to our people. So unfortunately, James, I hope I answered your question or gave you um, something well, you, concerning what it is we were talking about. you us to know how close, how close uh, evil can get to us, and that that is that everybody who displays that behavior has a mother, has a uncle, or has somebody in their lives, D. And so every time we see these people act out in our civilization, we need to recognize that there's somebody close to them uh, that should have intervened or did something uh, to help them to see the world in a better way. And if we can't get the uncles and aunts and sisters and brothers uh, to intervene, who else is going to be responsible? Well, who else is going to be responsible is the person that's been uh, targeted or the person that, that is the subject matter. See, uh, from where I from where I was just heard Miss Kathy speak about speak about uh, there's a lack of willingness on the participants. You know, when when the young man was asked to go to church. Uh, he didn't go for himself. He went for his mom. And so, you know, uh, you know, until a person is ready, person is uh, really gotten to a point where I'm not going to do this no more. I'm not going to let my anger, my emotions get the best of me no more. That's the only time that you're going to see some results out of that person. Because, uh, case in point, some people just like mess. Some people get high on mess. Uh, you know, to be messy and, 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 and to indulge in that kind of uh, activity, uh, there's a sense of uh, euphoria behind that. There's a high end and just doing stuff like that. And so uh, until a person, uh, and hopefully it doesn't come to the, to the point of uh, just Beating somebody down and and and, and killing somebody or uh, being incarcerated. Hopefully, like in my case, in my case, uh, I I got to a point where I saw myself heading down a road that was going to get me incarcerated, and I knew that I I was a better person than that. I, however, I just didn't know how to stop doing what I was doing, but I knew I was ready. So. Uh, it took me four tours of recovery to actually come to a point where I was just tired now. I'm done. And if anybody can show me how to manage my life, keyword management, if somebody can show me how to actually manage my my life, now I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to listen now. And so that's what it's going to take. It's going to take, uh, like the old adage say, it's going to take them to where a person is actually tired of being tired of trying to do it themselves to where they can actually let God come in and intervene and show them a better way of living. Thanks. Can I say something? And go ahead. Um, well, the fact that he made it to the church doors, it shows that he wanted to, but people started um, trying to correct his the way he was, and he wasn't ready for that. So, 
you have to have mentors, someone that can relate to him, like the brother that said he wasn't t- he was tired, the one that just spoke, and eventually he was ready. He could probably relate to where this young man's mind was at. My son was like that, and couldn't tell them tell him uh, give him a good enough reason. But he was doing it as an act of rebellion, and we had a um, a good Samaritan that came into our life, and um, changed his way of thinking. This guy, he would come alone, and he'd put his pants down, too. You know, just got my son's interest, just for the moment, you know, when he's in the presence of him. And they'd take him out and have a good time. This man is a rich man. Took him to Disney World, SeaWorld, and stuff. So we have to have the resources. All these rich people that, like Oprah and others, they they share their wealth with other people. I know Oprah went over there to Africa, but we needed the help also. We need some type of outreach program. The children feel like this. Oh, if I change... And then what's the reward? I don't have any reason to change because I am depressed. My life, you can't provide for me. In my case, I couldn't provide for my my children. I had um, no child support, and I had nine children. So with this in mind, I didn't have the resources. I kept working, and I got us from the projects to nice places now. And now they're grown, and they're up and out. My children stayed in the positive um, mindset, my children were all going astray. Um, I had a daughter. She was heading to the streets. She was dressing in golf, had the collar with the um, um, studs on it, like the pit bulls have the studs on the collar. She had the black nail polish and the black lipstick and the big golf. And she was heading out one day, 16 years old. You know, the scriptures say the devil come at you at 16 or 21. And um, so... I couldn't control her, so I was going to take her to a dad who lived in the ghetto, or I was going to, but something told me, no, take her to this other gentleman, this gentleman, the Good Samaritan. He would have biblical Bible class study, and he accepted her, and we came in, she just broke down in tears, and she became completely um, formed mentally to follow his instructions. And she was, she was about 16, she was younger than 16, really, um, but she, and she just got married. She got married to the little guy that she grew up with. When he came into their life, they, it, it has to be at least 10 years, no, 15 years ago. So she was a little girl, like 12, about 14, 13, getting into the teens, 13, 14. And um, he turned them around, and he gave them an out, and he, something I couldn't do financially. And she married the guy that his son, and they used to always, we used to always laugh in Bible study and uh, say, y'all going to get married one day. And they said, oh, no, oh, uh, uh, no, no. And they just recently got married. And um, she was a virgin at 29 years old. She was a virgin when she got married. And I have all my sons and my daughters the same thing. They they were all virgins when they got married, and uh, men and women. I had my son um, in their 20s, uh, 20, late 20s. My son, I have an older son, 37, virgin. Uh, he just got married, and uh, because the Good Samaritan passed away in 2014, and then they waited around a couple of years, and now they finally, this last year, 2016, they started venturing out. Well, we were a unit. We stayed together. We, um, my family and I, we, my eight children. It was eight, and because one got married and went into the world, she, she's um not so good, but at least she had one baby and she got married, so she was pretty stable, but not as stable as these other ones. So I know it for a fact. It makes a difference when you have a mentor that can make the difference, that could relate to the children. 
it, that's what we need. We need some type of structure. To, to, and even for the older people, because we, we've been mentally damaged. Like the sister said, we've been damaged. You know, even me coming up. Our parents think they raised us but they, in their own way. They did, but, it, it, you know, it wasn't 100%. You know, we still damaged good. So, like I said, the whole earth is off the course. I found that scripture. Uh, it was um, Psalms 82.5, and the other one said, If my people that are called by my name do humble, my, humble themselves. That's Second Chronicles um, 7.14. And that's all I wanted to say. I'm done. All right, and, uh, Regina, let me go to you, Regina. In terms of, um, do have you seen that people are trying to use mentorship as a way to reach these young people so they don't uh, destroy themselves with the anger that they have within them? Yes, there are a there are many, many, many mentoring programs that are available. What I'm seeing happen in um, my in my circle is that the mentors get tired because they don't have the wherewithal to handle these children bring. A lot of times, not all the time, but, well, I'll just say a lot of mentors, they come from various backgrounds. And some, what I've noticed is that some of them, although they may have come from a similar background from um, of that of their mentee, because they've sort of made it, and their life isn't as hard as that mentee's everyday life, they don't stick with that mentee. As the young lady said, if you have a mentor who sticks with that person, accepts that person, calls that person, takes that person with them, show them that there's a different way, it it, it makes a difference. There are a lot of us who want to, and I say us, who I want do. to, don't have that that stick to itiveness to really stick stick with it. You know, like in the late when when nine o'clock comes and the mother has said, Okay, you know, time to go to bed or time to settle down for the night and they get on their jacket and they want to leave out of the house. Well if the mentee lives way up in another part of town, they may not come down to try to talk to that child and say, what is it that's out here that you're going to? What is it that you're trying to get to? They may be with that child earlier in the day, but in the midnight hour, in the midnight hour, that's when a lot of our children really, and I don't mean literally midnight, but, you know, in the, in, in the yeah. evening time. So we're well, out here. I think more training will help, James. Do you think, James? Do you think more training might help of the well, men- you mentor? You you made a statement of just being get worn out. Uh, I have to admit that I taught school for thirty years, and I tried to help <laughs> a lot of different type students. And I spent mm-hmm. the last ten years at a jail trying to help inmates get their GED. 
And I can literally say it is just not appealing to me uh, to go out and fight that battle anymore. And so some people uh, decide that they want to fight that battle, and then they find out how tough the battle is. It's not a easy war Uh to wage uh, when you're trying Uh to get somebody to see life the way you see it. And so you would think that uh, when Kathy talked about her nephew, or, or I guess you would call him her nephew, uh, that he couldn't understand why he shouldn't be wearing his pants like that. You, that's like being blind. And you, we have a lot of people who are blind and don't understand why they shouldn't mistreat women and why they should not rob people and put a gun in people's faces. But there are a lot of people who are just blind to what humanity means and to fight that war to get them to see life the way you see it is not going to be a war that's easily waged. It's going to take time. It's going to take commitment. And it's going to take dedication. And sometimes, see, there are not just a whole lot of people who are prepared already to do that. Remember what Stacy said. Stacey said that this man that intervened in her life and her children's life had money. And a lot of times people just don't have the the time or the finances to commit to people who really need their help. Well, James, until y'all turn that corner. Yes, I'm here. Yes. Uh, until y'all turn that corner, I had said if you came out, uh, back around to me again, I was going to pass. But I can't now. Because when you're talking about mentorship and 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 trying to help people that keyword want to be helped, that's the difference. That's where the frustration comes in, where you're trying to help somebody that that haven't gotten there yet. Uh, you're trying to show them a, the a, the life that you know, but they haven't gotten there yet. You know, uh, the Good Samaritan that Miss you spoke about the equalizer of of, of the equalizer in, in his case was money. You see, you know, money can be the equalizer that will uh, that will obtain a person interest until you make until you get your message delivered. See, you can hold their attention with the money until you get your message over to them. Then, then they're ready to jump on board with you. All right. But if you have just your raw, your raw natural self, and you're trying to get this message over, there there is a disconnect, and there is a struggle in that because you know in, in the rooms of recovery we call that person being a sponsor. We call that sponsorship, and a, a person coming into the rooms of recovery, uh, the first thing that's been said to them is, you know, nobody made you come here. And, and 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 we let it be known that the door opened both ways. This is the same way you came in seeking for help. If you choose not to be helped, you can leave and let somebody else come in. Because that's where the frustration is. These people have to be hungry for change, you know. And it's, and, and and to put it in in layman's term, it's just like trying to save a drowning person. You can't save a drowning person until he shows to, uh, actually that he's going to be submissive and just not move and let you grab him. But if he's fighting for, if he's fighting for life, 
you can't save him because he would drag oh. you down with him. So, so th- that scenario is, is the same thing when it comes to sponsorship or being a, um, a mentor. Yes, there are people out there. So now I'm going to say this one. I'm going to let it go. All right. So the, the new strategy is, and I say the new strategy is using keywords. You see, we have to use keywords. We have to use words that are stimulating to their mind, that made them want more of what you just said. And that's the thing. That's how Jesus talked. See, uh-huh. Jesus said things to the, his disciples that were stimulating, things that right. they never heard before, talking about the new life and the new way of living. And and that's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees were jealous of him because he had something that they didn't have. He was able to attain their attention. And so yeah. that's what we got to learn how to do. Thank you. Charisma. <laughs> we can do yeah, it. You can hear me? Yeah, we could do it, but like I said, it's going to take resources, and the people that want to do it have the time to do it. But a lot of us are running around doing two jobs, and we lose our children like that too. Uh, but if we had the resources, a place that they could go to hang out, got, you got Bible study, but they have to, this is the key thing. You have to try to, Scripture say, try the Spirit with the Spirit, and if the Spirit be of God, they'll be willing. You know, another Scripture says the Harvest is right, but the laborers are few. People are wanting, they have a, a hunger for, for righteousness, I feel, more than the opposite. But it's just that the opposite, which is immorality, is so great out there. And it's pulling them, and they don't know they're young. They don't see what we've seen already. And nothing on the good side, the side of God, is there to help them. Like like people in, um, what you call these uh, singers and stuff, they have to take these rituals and stuff to get into the business. They are the talent. The, the industry needs them, but they stoop down to be ritual, get into the um, to to get the initiations and stuff to get paid, and then they boast about it and promote it. Um, it wickedness, immorality, because they say Jesus ain't did nothing for me, you know, and uh, he left me high and dry. And this is the mindset of our children, but our children don't think that way. But I'm saying they tend to go that way because the ones that are doing well. Uh, they had to go on the dark side to do well. But if we could uh, 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 provide them that, it's a guy called, um, he, he made the energy drink, um, five-hour energy drink. He's a philanthropist. He talks about what you can do. He makes the, he goes with people, help people, and create things that's going to help the, the world. He's trying to save the world. Uh, and he gets behind good ideas. If we could get somebody like that to get behind helping um, to create something for the youth and young adults and older adults, um, a center that we could have full-time workers that dedicate themselves like the Samaritan. This Samaritan I'm talking about, he was full-time for the children. He had children himself. And he was full-time, the word. And he, if it was a problem come up, he'd make himself present. He'll get on the phone. He'll call you, the kids, you know. And at the end of the conversation, they're all laughing and giggling and then talked about the problem and solved the problem. The kids want to do good. It's their nature to do good. But we have to have a connector, a bridge to, to mend that bridge. The bridge is broken. We need to have something to come together to uh, with the in the mind, meeting other minds, to help them understand that we've been down your road, you traveling. We understand you were deprived, you were depressed, deprived, and and wanting. And here you go, um, a center. 
hang out with the kids your age, play basketball, pool, and go Bible study together. But it's got to be for the ones that want it. You get a, a disruptor in there, you have to, you know, he's going to stand out. And you have to explain to him, hey, you got three strikes, you're out. But in a way that, hey, we really want you to change. But if you feel like you want to start the world more than peace of your mind, peace of mind, and, and to raise yourself up from this state you're in now, then you go to the world. I don't have no problem with that. But it's our desire that you change. And it's so much scriptures that can back that up. And it don't have to be all, um, all like, when I say biblical, it could be fun. The, the Good Samaritan made it fun to be in the Word, you know. And um, it's just positive. It was all positivity. Even if I'm wrong, he'll take the kid's side because <laughs> he know they got to, you know, come to the point. Uh, it's nothing serious, but it's, it might be a little conversation, argument or something, misunderstanding, disagreement. And he'll take the kids' side first, and, and you know, because they need that. They need the reassurance. But it's some, it's nothing that's really bad. Like pull your pants up. He, you know, I would say, oh, they won't do it. They won't do it. They won't. He got them to stop doing it. All my kids used to have their pants. On. All my boys got four boys. They stop doing that. And they see their friends, and they tell their friends. They watch their friends' life too. And man, you going down the wrong road, and then. They take those bad turns in life, and they say, yeah, man, I'm glad he told me that. He got messed up. He in jail. He dead. That's all I got to say. Um, Kathy, let me ask you, how are you as the uh, community leader you are, how do you maintain your focus and uh, don't give up and give out? Well, James, it has nothing to do with me. Um, like somebody said, you sometimes you have to rejuvenate yourself before you go out and attack um, these particular issues. And I'll just tell you about something that happened to me today. I was on my way home. Um, I told my husband I was going to stop at the 99-cent store because I was looking for something. But when I got inside of the store, I saw four young men, and between the ages of maybe – uh, 14 and 16, and they were going from aisle to aisle. They all had backpacks on, and they were just putting stuff in their backpacks. And I was getting ready to approach them, but as I was getting ready to approach them, one of the store um, workers went and started talking to one of the young guys. So when she went to talk to him, I don't know what, what she said, but um, – then they went down the next aisle. So once they went to the next aisle, I followed them to the next aisle, and I was like, look. I said, you guys don't have to do that. I said, are you hungry? Is there something you want? I said, you know what? Everybody, everything you got in your backpack, let's take it to the front. I'm going to pay for it. I said, because you know what? You can go to jail for this. And I said, it, it would hurt me so bad to see the police come in here and handcuff you because of all this different stuff that's going on in this world. And they were just looking at me like, what is this lady saying? Is she really saying she's going to pay for I mean, they have the look of intense or is this real or what is she saying? What? How do we reply? So I was telling them, I said, let's go now. Let's go to the front now. I said, everything you got, begin to take it out of your pockets. Take it out of your backpacks, and let's go straight to the front. So when we got to the front, um, the the manager opened up his register because the girl came and said, um, okay, th this guy right here, he's ready to pay for his stuff. Like she was telling the manager, 
they have something, you know, they're trying to steal. So the manager said, okay, come over here. So they walked that way, and I walked that way. I said, put your stuff on the counter. I said, I got all of their stuff. Everything they have, I have it. And then he looked, the manager looked at me, and I looked at him, and I just smiled. And then um, they, they, the guys were looking at me, and they were like, thank you, ma'am. I was like, no problem. I said, you guys have a good day. I said, remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. Then I went inside of my purse to see how much money I had, how much cash I had in there. I think I had about $20 in ones. And I pulled it out, and I said, who's the oldest? And so the one guy said, I'm the oldest. So I said, here, you divide this between you guys. I said, you guys have a good day. Be careful, okay? And they said, okay. And they just kept continue to look at me, you know, with this, like, awe. And I said, um, and so they, they got their stuff and they walked out. So the the manager said, wow, that was so nice. I said, yeah, because I'm not going to sit and and watch them go to jail. I said, because it could have been, it could have been a different situation today. I said, this could have been really bad for them. And he said, yep, it really could have. So I just believe that I was sent to that particular 99 cent store to do what I did so that there wouldn't be a problem because these young men, it, it, looking at them, they didn't even look like they would be um, kids that would go and steal, but just maybe they just had the idea. Or they may do it all the time. I don't know, but I just wanted them to know that somebody, somebody cared for them at that time. Right. It would have been nice to be able to pass a card to them and say, come hang out at the center as other kids your age and, you know, offer them something that, could help propel them in a positive direction because uh, they say uh, desperation is the, and, and desire for things is going to be at the root of all of their evils because they feel like, you know, a lot of times the parents set them up for failure. They buy Nike little shoes when they buy two-inch Nikes when they're babies, and they raise them up like that to the point that now they're older and they used to have them dressed in a certain way and mom can't provide it. Sometimes they set them up for the fall, not on purpose, but because, that's what they like, and the mom like, and all the dad like, and so we need to have, uh, uh, like I said, I keep going back to the same thing. We need to have a, a, rep, a avenue to take them down. That is, uh, if we had gotten reparations, I'm sure we would have had it already by now. But we're in a pitiful condition, and we gotta try to figure out what we can do to make it better. Uh, Regina, what what are your thoughts in terms of of trying to intercede in these young people's lives from the very beginning when they're first, second, and third grade to help them mend uh, their behavior so they don't find themselves in trouble when they get to the end of the team. Well, um, you know, they have all sorts of, of programs that if parents would, well, I'm a firm believer that it's nothing is cute when you're when you're a child, and I can remember um, always saying, always well, I heard it, and then I would tell my daughter, you have to be able to be tolerated by many people, and then I would tell my daughter, and then I would tell other children, the only person you're cute to is your your is me, your mom. You're beautiful. You're my angel. I love and adore you. But even with that, I had to see her shortcomings 
and get help for those shortcomings. Intervention at an early age is necessary, and it, it can't be mandated because you cannot mandate morality, but it is necessary. It's so sad now, and I know you all remember how we had alternative schools when, for middle school and high school. Well, uh-huh. now not only do they have alternative schools for elementary school, elementary children, but they have alternative classroom situations for preschool children, children who are three and four years old. They have alternative programs. And then in the the elementary schools, they're called on, well, I don't know what they're called, but they have them. They're available in our school district. So as I said, we've got to recognize what the issues are, And then once we recognize those issues, we need to get the children help. As has been said by Stacy, you have to have out people who will also be able to help the home. Because once you give these interventions and these help, this type of help in the school, and the child returns back to a a home situation that is unhealthy, then they go back to the school. It's like a ping pong, ping pong match. And you just don't win. So, um, Cheryl, may I ask you why? And I, what you did, you all know I do that all the time. But why did you give the money? Did you give the money to the oldest to show him responsibility? This past year, and yes, I did. I gave it to the oldest to show him responsibility. I look directly in his eyes so that he would know that I see him and that, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's like an exchange of you need to be the one responsible for your younger siblings and do the right thing. Yes. So yes. that's what the reason yes. was. And, and, Love and, it. Yes. Yeah, and uh, if I would have been you. really thinking, thinking, I would have pulled out one of my cards and gave it to him. But I wasn't. I don't think it was a sign for me to exchange a card with him, but just to show him that I love you and you don't have to do this and yes, this, you can you can you. do better. And you need to train them. That that's what I felt in my spirit when yes, they were there you. because thank they you. they just looked at me with this like all like you know you know how uh, um, how um, Stacy was yeah. talking about <laughs> somebody needs to just talk to that young man on his level. I mm-hmm. believe in my spirit that I met them at their level. You know, I yeah. didn't say, put that back or that. You know, I, I met their needs. I don't know if they were hungry or what, but it was like, it was something totally different for me. So, yes, that's why I did that, Regina. And, and uh, real you. quick, you see, he ch- they changed. They weren't bad in the spirit. They didn't curse you out. They didn't do any of that. They were very respectful. They were, they just in a situation. Mama can't give it to them. Can't afford it. And you know, a lot of times it's like that. Mama's raising kids, and she got two jobs. And, and so they, you know, they're good kids. My kid kid got in trouble like that before. And um, but they're good kids. It's just that they we need a a, a, a some a catch net to catch them at this most vulnerable mm-hmm. time of life. Like I said, mm-hmm. the devil put mm-hmm. them at sixteen, twenty one, and twenty one, and we need to have a structure in place and willful people. I'm willing. I'm willing to be to do that. You know, and that's what. Um, surprisingly enough, I'm glad I ran into the brother. Um, I'm an Uber Lyft driver, and um, I 
I was started talking conversation and we exchanged numbers and here I am. Um, but my whole thing is I told him I think I, I don't know if I told him or not, but I, I have a um, a charter bus service and um, it, I'm I'm trying to get the revenue from the charter bus service to be able to open up Salvation Armies and stuff similar to that and to provide that foundation. But I'm I'm all alone. Like I said, the Good Samaritan passed away, and my children, they finally started living life, and they're loving it. So I'm just holding the bag. And um, But <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm still determined to do that. I'm 100%. I- I'm looking for a job now because I was just door overlift, and then I was um, I said I need to get a job because I need to keep the bus uh, insurance on the bus because I get some work from Mirror sometime, and, and um. I'll try to keep the bus going, and I don't want to break the insurance. You know how it is when you stop the insurance. They double up on you next time you come around, and it don't look good for business. But that's my whole thing. I, I am 100% in on this mission to be a good Samaritan, like the representative, the, the, the example I had. I was going down Skid Road when he came into our life also. I was going from bad to worse. I wasn't bad, but I was going to get bad, you know, because <laughs> I didn't have no direction, no guidance. And he brought scripture. He brought um, finances. He supported my family um, a lot, of it, and it was nothing relation, no relationship there. He had a family and all, and he, just because he was, uh, he wanted to, and I took on his same spirit. I want to. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and give everybody an opportunity to have their final word. Okay.
Take care, everybody. See you tomorrow at 8, 8 o'clock uh, p.m. That is, uh, real quick, that scripture is Genesis 11.